Hey Jexiteers, thanks again for stopping by. If you're new to the channel, my name is Riley and I'm a former Jehovah's Witness. And today I have the pleasure of reviewing this book called Nine Pills. And the author is joining me um, to discuss it with me. So please welcome Johnny Halfhead. Hi Johnny, how are you? Hi again. I'm all right, thank you. How are you? Yeah, great, thank you. So thanks for joining me again. And um, yeah, I really, really enjoyed this book. Um, it's definitely been my favourite of the three so far. Uh, viewers, if this is the first time you've seen um, me reviewing one of Johnny's books, Johnny has written two other books, which I also reviewed um, some weeks ago. Um, but this one is by far my favourite. Um, having said that, it was very difficult to read at some points because there's so much of the story that I can personally identify with. So it did bring back some very uh, unsettling memories, but I really enjoyed the story. So please, if you wouldn't mind, just um, give us a brief synopsis of it. Um, well, this was this is my first book that I wrote and, and self-published. Um, and... It's very much based on a lot of experiences of my own. Um, it's it's a fictional story, uh, and it draws a lot of parallels with things that uh, you know and experiences that I've gone through. Um, and it basically follows me for uh, a couple of years. Um, it, it starts off uh, being thrown out of my home. Uh, by my mother, uh, I, I was raised in a single parent family and I got thrown out of home. And because we were Jehovah's Witnesses, that meant that I also got thrown out of the congregation and thrown out and shunned by all my friends um, and left on my own, really. Um, and it was a real shock. And I used that experience, uh, you know, in the book to basically uh, parallel a similar kind of fictional story um, of a person of a similar age, about 20, the same age as I was, uh, and going through uh, and looking back over some experiences that built up to that moment. Um, it was... Um, it was an interesting book to put together. It was very triggering in myself as well to put it together um, because I drew on a lot of personal experiences to do it. Yeah, I, I definitely got that feeling as I was reading it. Um, it, it certainly came across as being almost semi-autobiographical. Um, but since I don't, I don't know a lot about your own personal story, I couldn't see where where the uh, um, the story started and where, you know, I couldn't see, I didn't know which parts of the story were, were your story and which part were completely um, nice. fictionalized for, for the book. But um, I definitely, there was definitely a very personal feel to it. Because, you, yeah. you know, in a lot of places you were writing from your own experience. Yeah, I drew on uh, a lot of yeah my own personal experience uh, how this generally came about was because uh, i think it was in uh, 2016 2017 i decided to write my own book uh, about my own personal experiences um and so i just i just basically 
wrote everything down and it took me about a year and a half uh, and I wrote this huge, huge book that I knew nobody would ever read because it was, you know, really long. Um, and once I'd finished that, I thought, you know what I could do? I could take little snippets out and mix it up and basically create a short story out of it. And that's where Nine Pills came, you know, came from. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, when I, um, when you first sent the book to me, um, I didn't know what to make of the title, but very quickly after reading, after starting to read it, it, it the, the title made sense. So um, I don't want to spoil too much of the story, but basically the, the main character is um, about to commit suicide and he's got nine pills that he's about to swallow. And that's where, that's where the title came from. Um, so there is a really, really big issue with ex-Jehovah's Witnesses and suicide. Um, could you tell us a bit about why you wanted to feature that so heavily in a book? Um, because that's where I ended up uh, myself. <laughs> um, I found it found it really unusual when I got back in touch with um, XJW communities that this happened to me thirty years ago, uh, and that it was still so prolific even now. Um, and it's really upsetting to think that even even in the day of you know internet and support help and telephone lines and Samaritans and everything else that's really easy to you know get hold of, there are still people leaving the Jehovah's Witness organization, young people, um, and they're in exactly the same situation I was in, mm. um, and that's heartbreaking to think. In some ways we've not moved on you know there's no it's only it's only in the last couple of years that i've noticed uh, some real xjw support groups springing up and being there for young people um so i thought it was really important to help highlight that issue yeah yeah definitely and and i think you've done a really good job of of highlighting the what's the word, that the conflict in the main character between wanting to die, but also wanting to continue fighting on. Because I'm sure for anyone who's ever gotten to that point, it's not, it's definitely not clear cut. You know, there, there, there is a lot of um, internal struggles that go along with that. And I, I thought it, that you've done a really good job of bringing, bringing that out. There are so many variables, aren't they, in everyone's situation. Um, it's, it's for me, uh, I just couldn't see a life outside of the witnesses at all. There was just nothing. If, there, if everything I had was in the organisation and if I was now out of the organisation, then what? point was there <laughs> you know my whole future was there um even though like you say there's a turmoil i mean for me personally i didn't think i had much of a future in it anyway but mm. i was there more out of habit yeah. um but it was still a life that i knew uh, and coming out of it was a life i did not know and i feared immensely yeah 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 absolutely i mean 
Um, as I said, there was so much in the book that I could relate to. And one of those things was the fear of the outside world and being thrust into this world and not knowing how to navigate it. And um, that, that's something that the, the main character experienced and explained his feelings around that issue in a way that was just so powerful and that was so familiar to me personally as well. You know, not knowing whether or not you could trust people, feeling completely inadequate to, you know, navigate everyday life in the real world after being so confined and isolated in this, in this bubble. I mean, is that one of the things that you experienced yourself or was that purely fictionalised for, for the story? Yeah, it's really hard to separate out the fiction and real life uh, even though it is just based on my, you know, my own experiences, it's hard to remember which is which, <laughs> in a way, because it is, it draws so heavily on the way I used, the way I felt then. Um, every, a lot of those feelings and frustrations and fears are very, very real. The the, the situation might be dramatised, you know, uh, and painted. I suppose, you know, to, to make atmosphere, but the, everything as regards the feeling, um, is very, very real. I drew that directly from, yeah, where, where I was at the time. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. How, how did you manage to get through that? Um, it's quite interesting, actually. One of the reasons, uh, I'm really excited at the moment is because I'm doing, uh, I'm writing another book and I've actually just finished it. Uh, and it's a follow on to this. Okay. Uh, to, to nine pills. Um, so it kind of picks up at that moment, uh, of mm. trying to commit suicide and it basically takes inspiration from how that character then lifts themselves out of it. Uh, over the right. next few years, um, you, me personally, I I I got into other things. Um, you you find because you, you, you've got nothing, you've got absolutely nothing, and you don't know what to do or where to go. You've got no world interests at all, really. So it's Ooh. really difficult to know what to go and pick up or where, what to go and find. In a way, it's exciting because you've got an entire world to pick from. Um, yeah. But then you're so fearful of absolutely everything within it. Um, and in some awful way, the the suicide put things in perspective. That actually, if I if if I've been down that route, what could possibly be worse after that? <laughs> it's. I suppose when you hit rock bottom, the only place you can go is up. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And the character in the book, he really did hit rock bottom. <laughs> he really did. I, I felt so bad for him when, when all of these things started going wrong in his life. It was just like, we couldn't get a break. It was just like one after the other, after the other, after the other. Um, but I thought, that it was it was good that you you directed the story that way because I mean despite the fact that Watchtower tells us the world is going to chew you up and spit you out and your you know your life will just go downhill 
And it is good to hear success stories about witnesses who have left and who have gone into the world and have managed to make something of themselves and have an, a happy, enjoyable life. But realistically, it doesn't always work out that way. It doesn't mean that Watchtower is, is right. It's just life. Sometimes life deals you a bad hand. Sometimes, you know, things go wrong. So it, it, made, it added to the realism that he experienced hardships. But at the same time, it, it wasn't like giving in to the Watchtower and, and um, proving them right in the things that they say. It, that, that must have been really difficult to, to strike that balance. Yeah. Um, yes. There's a, there's a lot, again, there's a lot of parallels with myself where mm. um, some of the decisions I made, so I never decided to get baptised. And the reason I never got baptised was because um, it was a, it's a promise. To me, a baptism is a promise and it's a life promise. Uh, you know, for life, it's for your entire life. It's not just something you can just make do just because your friends are doing it, mm -hmm. um, which I saw a lot of people do. Uh, and I, I, if I was going to make a promise, you know, I had to believe in it. And I, if it was going to be for the rest of my life, I had to make sure it was the right promise. Um, so there are always them little niggling bits that I couldn't quite get answers to that if I just had one or two answers, it would have tipped me over and I would have done it and I would have, you know, thrown myself in. Um, but then, of course, there's life experiences along the way that knock you over as well and you learn from them. So they actually counteract that ability to get to that point to make a solid decision. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Um, and the characters, yeah, the character in Nine Pills is very much the same. It's very similar. There's a, a counteraction between past experiences marring the future and the progression yeah. within the witnesses um, and not being able to get answers as well. If you just had a, there was, there's always that. If you just had a couple more answers that could just push you nearer, you, I, you know, I might have, you know, thrown myself into it properly. You know, yeah. um, um, I'm glad I didn't because to me, it's a bit like a marriage. You know, I wouldn't want to have made that promise um, and then just to have broken it. Uh, but I still, in myself, in my own experience, I still got treated the same, regardless yeah. of the fact that I wasn't even baptised. Yeah. That, <laughs> that's, that's something that surprised me because I didn't know that, um, well, I, I certainly never heard of it myself, where a baptised person would be um, announced as being disassociated, sorry, an unbaptised person would be announced as being disassociated. I, I never knew that was a thing. Yeah, that that part is is the same as uh, as my own experience. So I had that announced from the platform, um, and I had to go through several months of sitting at the Kingdom Hall on my own at the back as a seventeen year old. Um, and like you say, I, I wasn't even baptized. So there were yeah. uh, that that part of the story is is the same as mine. Um, so to have to go through that, uh, like you say, when I wasn't even baptised, it was just crazy. Some congregations are like that, aren't they? Some are, 
a, a very very strict um yeah. and some uh are quite laid back and quite lax and i just i ended up in a very strict one wow wow that must have been awful to go through at such a young age as well i mean um your teenage years those are the years where you crave belonging the most you know and to be so isolated to that extent must have been horrendous yeah and it's the it's the tarnish as well because once I've, I've seen this uh, in a lot of parallel stories, I think it's the same. I've, I've seen it in yours with your YouTube clips that once you tarnish once, you can't ever get back to that place that you were. You mm. know, it's always held against you. It's always um, a political strip, a political mm. mark made against your record that although mm. you're forgiven, although God feels supposed to forgive you, um, yeah, the people in the congregation certainly don't, and they always remember. Yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely. So, um, there were a lot of experiences that the, the main character had um, when it came to relationships, and you know, delving into relationships both inside and outside of the organisation, and. That's something that really struck a chord with me as well, um, because in in the organisation you really don't have a not not an accurate idea of what love and relationships are really supposed to be, because everything's based around how good a servant you are to the organisation, which is is not a, a sound basis at all. So. Then coming from that and going into the world and experiencing real relationships for the first time is a very, very steep learning curve, a very steep learning curve. Um, so could you tell us a bit about how, you know, what elements of um, your own story you put into into the character's experience with that? We're so naive, aren't we, when we leave? Absolutely. We really have no idea of the outside no, world at all now. Um, and I think people outside really struggle to understand yeah. the level of uh, how much of a cocoon that you live in. Yeah. Um, you hear, uh, you are told stories of what the outside world is like. Um, and although, you know, in a way, the congregation is a microcosm of society anyway, isn't it? Um, yeah. And you don't realise that before you get out there, you know, that there are good people in society and there are some terrible people in society. Um, uh, living, living inside a congregation is a lot like living in Victorian England. Yes, <laughs> you know, there's definitely. a cover up, you know, there's always a cover up of what of the real truth and what's really going off. And sometimes yeah. it's only when you come out and you look back that you realize how bad some things are within your yeah. congregation. And either you choose not to see it because you don't want to see it, um, or you just won't believe that that exists i had a, i've always had a problem with people telling lies i've always had a problem with it even now have a problem with it um and for years i thought that why don't employers employ jehovah's witnesses because they will always tell the truth mm. you know they'd be the best employers to you know employees to have sorry um 
because they're always truthful. They will always tell the truth. And if you ask them straight, you will always get a straight answer. Mm. Um, and to, to realize, it took me 20 years to realize that actually when I look back, the people I was surrounded with did nothing but lie and cheat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I just didn't believe it when people told me that. I just couldn't believe it because to me, that went against every principle that we were taught. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, absolutely. So when you were putting your own experiences into the, the, the storyline, did you feel any kind of apprehension about doing that? Yes, and I still feel it now. Um, mm. If there are some people that could relate to some of the characters, um, I've always thought, oh, goodness me, I could be taken to court or something. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know, there's always that that fear, isn't there? Or, um, yeah, it's it's very close to a lot of my own experiences, but it is fictional. Um, but yeah, there are a lot of characters that are mismatches of other you have people that are new that right. people might see themselves in there. Um, so it, it's it's difficult because you don't want to pinpoint certain people, you know, and expose them. Um, mm -hmm. But then I've always I've had the when I look back, you just think people should should be responsible for their own actions. Mm. So if people act badly, as long as you don't lie. Um, or over-exaggerate the way people are, um, then they, they should either be sorry or they shouldn't have done it in the, or they shouldn't have acted that way in the first place. But then there's things like myself. I was, I was such a moany, terrible teenager. Um, there's one thing I tried to put in, in, uh, nine pills and I don't think I did it very well at all. Because uh, I was too busy trying to make sure that I built the character the, the way I needed it needed to for the story, but I was such a whiny, moaning teenager, you know, which probably didn't add to a warming with my mum, you know, with my mother basically, um, and it must have caused a lot of upset and a lot of difficulty for her to deal with that because I was such Kevin, the teenager. I don't know if you remember Harry Enfield. <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah. I oh, do every time I used to see yeah. that, you know, I used to cringe because <laughs> I think, you know, Oh, I, I could just see myself, you know, yeah. <laughs> throwing myself around <laughs> in a normal teenager way, having a proper strop about everything. Yeah. Mm. Um, so th there's a, there's a few things that are very, a very personal and I think I've tried to open that up a little bit more in the one that I've just written. So try to put more of my own flaws in as well. Um, because flaws are funny. I mean, the whole premise of nine pills of why there's nine pills is hilarious. Yeah. I think it's so funny, but yeah, at the same time, it's incredibly tragic. Yeah. Uh, and and pathetic, uh, and I, that was me. I was so tragic and pathetic. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh -huh. 
So what, one of my favorite parts of the book was where uh, the main character goes to live with his father and his stepmother and step siblings. And he finds that the atmosphere in the house is just completely foreign to him. It's, it's something like he's never experienced before. Everybody is so laid back and liberal and they laugh and joke about things that would just be completely taboo <laughs> in his in his former home where he was living with his with his mother. Um, could, you, could you tell us about how you put that together in the story? Uh, they were a conglomeration of quite a few people that I met once I'd left. Yeah. You, you meet all these characters, um, all these worldly people that you expect to be so evil and horrible. Um, and yet there are some of the most wonderful, kind, caring and loving people um, and so laid back and so fun. I, even their attitude, I mean, one of the biggest things was everybody's, there's such a strange attitude to sex within a Jehovah's Witness congregation. It's mm -hmm. bizarre. It's also, it's almost obsessional. Yeah. Um, and you're told that when you go out into the world, everybody outside the world is obsessed with sex. Um, and actually, you realize it's completely the opposite way around. Yeah. You know, all anybody can ever do in the Watchtower publications, all anybody could ever talk about or think about and not supposed to be thinking about within the congregation is sex all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you go out into the real world and you think everybody is just having a constant sexual orgy yeah. all the all time. The time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And it's just not like that at all, you know. No. And although there are liberal attitudes towards it, it's just not as pro prolific as you are led to believe. Yeah. In fact, in some ways, it's quite disappointing. You expect it to be there, <laughs> and it's not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, speaking from my own personal experience, one of the things that was one of the steps along my road to waking up was realizing that worldly people aren't the way they're portrayed to be in the organization. And that was a big eye opener to me. It was absolutely huge. You know, getting to meet um, worldly people and having worldly friends and seeing how they treated me and also how they treated each other. It was just a huge eye opener for me because, I mean, when I was mentally in, I was mentally in, but that, I mean, the stereotype, the stereotypical white worldly person, I was sold on that hook, line and sinker. I was 100% convinced that, you know, the so-called worldly people are the way that the organization made out, made them out to be. And then when I found out that they just, it just wasn't like that, it, it really hit me like a ton of bricks. <laughs> so I, I can definitely relate to, you know, the, the main character in the story on that, on that issue. It, it is a real shock. It's a real eye-opener. Um, and like I say, in a way, the outside world is a microcosm of the organisation, but more of the fact that you don't see the organisation for what it is or within a congregation, the way things are. You can have blinkers on. You don't want yeah. to see what's going off, whereas at least out in the open world, you, everything's kind of there. You know mm. things are happening, but they're just not as prolific because I suppose it's proportion, isn't it? 
you know, the vast majority of people are not evil, horrible, murderous people. Um, You know, uh, they're not all liars and cheats. People are just trying to get along with each other the best they can. Um, And there are as many, if not more, good people out in the world as there are. I mean, there are good people within the witnesses that are really striving to be good. Um, But there are also, you know, like I say, like a microcosm, there is also an underbelly of quite horrible and political people. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, it's sort of like a mantra to me now, but it's that um, the the witnesses don't have the monopoly on good people and the world doesn't have the monopoly on bad people. There's plenty of overlap, you know, in between. Yeah, Yeah. it's just, it's like you say, it's not the picture that's painted. No. Um, uh, which is the biggest shock because you just expect pure evil from everywhere. Um, and it doesn't help that, you know, you have some probably bad experiences because you're a witness that goes into the world, uh, say at work, you kind of meet people probably in the wrong circumstance because mm. you're going in there and you generally ignore them you know, the, the worldly people that you work with and you kind of treat them strangely and unusually without realising that you're doing it and yeah. you judge them as well. It's no wonder they get the backs up, you know. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> quite, yeah. And I, I think the way that um, we're, we're taught to think about worldly people, it, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy in a way because – you're out in the world. You, you don't really have the the social skills. You don't understand the etiquette to be able to interact with people in in a in a familiar way or in a way that's familiar to them, which leads you to to still feel isolated, you know. And then you could you could end up thinking that oh well you know nobody likes me out here, knowing that everybody treats me funny but it, it, it's not because they're bad people just as a society or the organization paints them to be it's because you haven't been taught how to deal with them no it, one of the many things that you realize when you especially when if you join a, an xjw support group um is that you carry uh, a lot of unusual habits and take them with you yeah. so you know Self-deprecation is one of them. So you constantly think you're inadequate and you're useless. And I'm terrible for doing that all the time. Um, oh, I'm yeah, constantly yeah, questioning whether I'm good enough. Yeah. Uh, writing these books is so difficult because every time I even think of doing even a bit of work, at half an hour or an hour, I spend a large portion of it telling myself that it's a pointless waste of time because I'm useless and it, there's no point in doing it. And it's, you know, I'm rubbish and it's, it's just not going to work. Um, yeah. And I'm fighting that. But then also, like you say, in interactual in interacting circumstances, when you're trying to interact with people in the outside world, you have hangups about people and you judge them and I'm terrible for it. You know, I constantly have to keep looking at myself and stopping myself, stopping myself, bringing some of the witness traits through. Um, 
and putting barriers up against people. It's so easy to do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I interviewed somebody recently and uh, she was like describing her experience of being out in the world for the first time. And it was so heartbreaking the way she expressed herself. She said that she felt like a pane of glass and that nothing would stick to her. She felt like people literally just slid off her. And for years, she never had any friends. And she admitted that when she looks back at herself and the way she was, she was weird. So she, she can understand why people didn't really stick close to her, why she didn't have any friends, because she was weird. And that, that all comes from being raised in this bubble, this isolationist organisation where you're, you're literally not in the real world. So you don't learn how to interact with people in the real world. And it, it's a very, very difficult thing to learn, especially when you're when you leave the organisation a little bit of an older age. It's a it's a very very difficult thing to learn. Yeah, um, and, and I I, um, I I grew because I had a lot of um, like bullying issues at school um, from being a witness. Um, one of the things that my grandfather taught me. Uh, that helped me was to be proud of being different, to actually mm. stand up and be different and say that I'm different uh, and actually strike out as being unusual and separate. Um, and although that helped me, I, it's something I've carried on through my life in a way. So in some ways I'm still working. I'm, I'm st I've still got some of the same blockages on my life that I, I still keep my, you know, carrying on through that I've picked up from being a witness. Um, and in some ways it's good. It's good to be an individual, but sometimes, well, a lot of times it can be very, it can be very lonely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it can be. It can be. So when you were writing the book, did you always plan to do a sequel? No, no. no. Um, um, the way I put nine pills together, I thought it finished quite nicely um uh, i thought it wrapped up quite lovely and yeah i was quite happy the, with the way it all finished and i wanted to move on to doing something else as well um mm -hmm. but then there was quite there's been quite a few people that know that there are a lot of i put a lot of myself into it um so they there's a lot of folk that have just said oh can't you you know can't you just do another one can't you follow on from where you've left you know, nine pills off because in a way that that was the start of a new life. Um, and there's lots of adventures that I've done personally that I could put into another book. So, mm -hmm. you know, I really got into goth music and um, I really, you know, I've got into a band and playing in a band and touring and being very weird. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was just, a lot of people were just like, "Oh, it'd be really cool if you, you know, if you did another book and you followed that on." So that's exactly what I've done. That's, that's great. I mean, the, the, I really did like the way that it ended. I mean, it ended on a positive note, but it, it was positive without being unrealistic, which I really liked because not all stories in life have a happy ending. They don't. But even though this ending. I wouldn't quite call it a happy ending. I'd call it a positive ending. It, it ended on a positive note, despite the fact that there were some really, really 
awful things that that he went through you know and i really like the message there was a message towards the end where he said that um he, he spoke about not being able to change the past and not being able to change your decisions but to use those experiences to inform your future decisions and i thought that was a really a really positive message and it resonated with me in a very profound way because i i have a problem with rumination i i i can sometimes get into a rut where i dwell on the negative things that have happened to me in the past and the, the horrible experiences that i've been through it's something that i'm actively trying hard to 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 you know not do but it is still an issue so that 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 sentiment really resonated with me you know don't, don't don't dwell on those things but just use those experiences as a way to inform your future actions which i thought was really good where you are now is fantastic what you are you are doing now is incredible you know you are you're an open apostate with a youtube channel you know <laughs> there's doing some absolutely fantastic things you know i'm just finished writing my fourth my fourth book you know four books about being an ex jehovah's witness um it's just neither of us would have been able to have done that without the experiences that we've been through before True. um uh, th these the lessons that we've learned have brought us to this point um so yeah although harrowing and horrible those experiences were they're done, they're finished, they're closed. And to learn from them and be a better person, how could it turn out any better? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The, the, tra the tragedy would be not to have learned anything good from it. Yeah, 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 indeed. Uh, I wholeheartedly agree. Wholeheartedly agree. Yeah. Okay, um, let's take some comments. Um, so... Thank you. So the first one is from Anita. Thank you, Anita, for joining us. Hello, Anita, again. <laughs> <laughs> Anita says, all down to that vile cult where the internet is gradually making inroads to helping people when they leave Watchtower. Absolutely. Definitely. I mean, where would we all be without the internet? You know, it's responsible aren't, for waking so many people up. Aren't we in the right time, place at the right time? Really? Yeah. Uh, I'm you know, people have been leaving the witnesses for decades, but there just seems to be an acceleration at the moment. There seems to be, you can almost feel a pivotal, pivotal point with the Watchtower mm. that things are changing so much. And especially with this last year, you wonder how many people are going to, you know, they're going to suddenly find have drifted out. And they're going to need people like us. They're going to need support and they're going to need help and direction. Um, and you're there, man. Yeah, you're there. <laughs> you have the YouTube channel. You're helping people. It's yeah, it's just fantastic. What a privilege to be here to be doing it. You know, to have to be able to put your experiences to good use. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Okay, let's take some more. Former to free. Um, the best revenge to the organisation is being successful, even if that means just not calling back to them. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more because that that is actually what they think. They, you know, it's not just what they think; it's what the organisation tries to do. It tries to.
it stunts you intentionally so that if you ever do leave, you'll have such a hard time that you'll just come back because it will be easier. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it is a comfort. It is a comfort to go back, but mm. it's like any addiction, you know, to, it's always easy with every addiction to slip back into your addiction, but yeah. it's, for the long term, for the, for yourself, it's not the best thing. The no. best thing is to move forward. Absolutely. Uh, D Lightning says, "Reminds me of Count Dracula in Hotel Transylvania. He tries to keep Mavis away from the village." <laughs> I haven't. That, that sounds very apt. I haven't seen that. I have to admit. But what I have seen is um, The Village, a movie called The Village by M. Night Shyamalan. And it is a perfect parallel of the witness organisation and how they trap people into the organisation and keep them in and the lies they tell to keep them in. I I highly recommend that movie for any XJW to watch. Yeah, that was that. Again, you see so many parallels with some films, don't you? Yeah. Um, Yeah. yeah, uh, And that was, yeah, that that was like, oh, yeah, that's just, that's exactly what it's like. Yeah, it was really bizarre, that. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. XJW Truth Drivers. This is one of my. most enthusiastic supporters of my channel. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> I'd rather be with worldly people than be with my JW family. Worldly people are nice and not as bad as Watchtower portrayed them. I'm so proud to be in the world because I feel safer. <laughs> Holla. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I feel safer in the world too. You know, absolutely feel safer. I mean, the, the, they were always telling you that you can't trust people in the world and that they'll do this to you and they'll do that to you. But the worst things that have been done to me have been done by witnesses. No one in the world has ever done anything a fraction as bad to me as people in the, in the organisation have. And I I'm suppose, sure my, my, my situation isn't unique either. I suppose that what it comes down to is when you are a witness, you give power to the people that are around you. Um and in some way to leave that organization is empowering because you realize you don't have to give other people power over you. Absolutely. 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 I couldn't agree more. That's exactly what my situation was like when I left as well. You know, there were so many things that I, I read in your book and it, it was literally <laughs> like you were writing about my life. Honestly, it, it was, it was I, like, I have a, I've heard that a lot. And that it's, it's really, but then I suppose it's because when you're brought up in a cult, you're all bo- brought up the same. So, of course, yeah. I suppose all experiences that come from yeah. it are going to be very parallel. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Okay, Fat Charlie Robusto. <laughs> what a great name. <laughs> cult conditioning makes your mind like it. I fight it every day, even after a decade out. Yeah, and I'm sure that a decade from now, I'll still be fighting parts of my cult indoctrination. You know, I'm sure the same is true of many others as well. It, it, because I I didn't come out in the internet age, it's took me 30 years to get where I am. Mm. And it's only in the past five years that 
I've really accepted being an XJW and I've really accepted being an apostate as well. I mean, to say the word apostate is so heavy and has more meaning than the dictionary word does. Um, Exactly. Yeah. Um, And it is, it's a difficult, it's difficult to fight that conditioning. Um, It's, I would say it's a lot easier when you've got the internet because you can find so much yeah. that you, you might not believe, but when you see it over and over and over again from different sources, you can't help but see it for what, you know, for the truth that it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Anita says, Johnny, you're unique. <laughs> we love you. <laughs> we love you being <laughs> I couldn't agree more. Somebody said the other day it was it was hard not to be insulted, but it was sweet and it was mate it was said in the best intentions that I should have been an elder. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought I can see what they mean, you know, I, you yeah, know yeah. I could take take in somebody, give them advice, you know, uh and you know, care. Mm. <laughs> but of course we know the elders, elders differently. Of yes, what they are right. like. yes. Yeah. yeah, it was hard. My initial feeling was, oh, that's horrible. They don't call me one of those. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Um, Former to free, Johnny, do you have audiobook versions? Oh, I don't. Uh, it's another bugbear of mine. I would love to work on that and get something done. Um mm. I haven't got a very good speaking voice. I'd, I'd, it'd be nice for me to do it myself, but I think my voice has grating parts to it that I just don't think would work in a in an audio book. Um, it costs quite a lot of money to get an audio book done, um, but it might be something in the future I might think of doing. Mm. That 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 would be great because um, actually I I have rekindled my love of reading uh, since doing book reviews on, on my channel but prior to that I mean while I was still a witness I just didn't have time to read but I did listen to a lot of audio books yeah and I, I found that 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 really helpful but I mean I still do listen to them occasionally now but I enjoy that I have time to actually read a book now <laughs> okay Erica says the new hope is now all about waiting for JW family members to also wake up yeah, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, yeah. See, it's weird, isn't it? It's, we're kind of waiting for a parallel resurrection. We yeah. kind of just, yeah, it's as though, you know, we, we mourn our families and we hope mm. that they'll see a way out and they'll, you know, uh, and they'll find a way out of it. It's It's so difficult to to find the right balance sometimes of how to treat family members. It's yeah. really difficult. Yeah. Uh, Yolanda says, Riley and Johnny, Johnny, what advice would you give someone who's thinking about writing a book? How do you start? Just do it. Just, just go for it. What If it's about, if it's right, they always say, don't they write about yourself? because that's the subject matter you know the most about. Um, mm. And you don't even have to do anything with it. Just the experience of doing it itself 
is it's healing because mm. you're being self-reflective. Um, the initial book that I said that I, uh, I, where I just basically dumped all my memories into, it was like 380,000 pages long, uh, words long. It was huge. It was absolutely enormous. And I knew once I'd finished it that it was just too big for anybody to read. Um, but from that came Nine Pills, you mm. know, uh, and a way to build nine pills. So what do, can, what can you possibly lose by starting? There's nothing you yeah. can lose by giving it a go. No. So we'll look out for your book, Yolanda. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Fat Charlie says, Johnny, love your Mando T Mando T-shirt, by the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I had it. Oh, right. Yes, it's the Mandalorian with um, Baby yep. Yoda. <laughs> yep. This was before okay. any official t shirt came out. So somebody was obviously on the internet doing mm -hmm. hand drawn, you know, takeoff ones. Um, right. Yeah. And it was just like, oh, I just had to have one. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So, um, any more comments? No. No? Okay. <laughs> so, um, could you give us a brief synopsis of what your new book is about, follow-up to um, Nine Pills? Yeah, so basically the character picks up from in 1990, um, and again, I use a lot of my own parallel um, uh, experiences, and there's a lot of overlap. There's a lot more overlap uh, with this new book with my own experiences um yeah uh it's about trying to find my way in a in a world that is worldly and different uh and in a way trying to commit suicide like i said it gave me a marker from mm. which to work from if i honestly thought i was going to die and because I thought I was going to die, anything after that had something to be paralleled against. Mm. So going out and meeting somebody was nothing next mm. to what I'd already been through. Everything had, you know, a, a marker to work against. So actually I was, I realized I was capable of doing so much if I really wanted to do it. Um, and I really wanted to be in a band. I really wanted to play in a band. Um, and make music and be an artist um, and of course none of that stuff is even remotely possible when you're a witness no. you know there's no way my mother would or any of the witnesses in the kingdom all I used to be in would have approved of anything mm -hmm. to do with um, where you know what I was uh, what I was uh, going into because my I had I have such a love for like gothic romance, mm -hmm. uh, and that's where uh, that's where my book uh, goes into. It goes quite deep into the gothic culture, um, and 
I don't want to give too much away because there's just some fantastic yeah. stuff in there about, you know, getting into a band, joining a band, uh, creating music and even getting involved with the first, there's a, a big festival up at Whitby called the Whitby Goth Weekend. Um, and I was there on the first one uh, and I did a lot of work to help put that together with the organisers. Um, uh, and I look back and it's like, I, I should be really proud of what I achieved. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's, that's where the book, that's where the book's going. Uh, and on the build up to that every day on Twitter and on Facebook uh, and on, Oh, what's the, uh, there's another app that I can't remember the name of because I'm old. <laughs> uh, yeah. I've, uh, no, no, the other one, not TikTok. Snap the other one. Snap. Uh, no, it's not that one either. I tell you, I'm so old, it's pathetic. <laughs> um, yeah, so I've been, I've been in the build-up to releasing the new book. I've been putting photos from that period of my life, from when I was 20 till about 24, um, mm -hmm. uh, and posting very unusual photos of myself and the way I used to dress. With my big Mohican and yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if you get a chance, ah, Instagram, yes, that's the one. Instagram, yes, Instagram, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so Twitter, Instagram, Instagram. nine pills. Yes, uh, yeah. If you go on there, you'll see all the photos I've been putting up each day. Uh, yeah. It'll put a smile on your face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Okay, I just. I've just noticed a comment that I want to reply to. So uh, D Lightning says, yes, I have seen the village, but Riley, I recommend Hotel Transylvania 1, 2, 3, and 4, and soon 4. Okay. Yeah, okay, I'll take your recommendation and I will watch them. Um, Hotel Transylvania is a cartoon movie, right? Yes, yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you what, there is one cartoon movie that reminds me a little bit of, like, JW Life, and that is Trolls. So... <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying that that JWs are trolls, but in the story, there's this idea that um, what are they called again? Not the the goblin type people. I can't remember what they what they're called. But anyway, there's amongst them. There's this this idea that you can only be happy if you eat a troll. That's the only way to be happy is if you eat a troll because the trolls are so happy. And it fuels you with happiness. And this has been repeated and repeated and repeated for so many years that nobody questions it. Nobody questions it at all. And they just accept it without question. Nobody even remembers why they believe this. And that definitely reminds me of what it's like being a JW because there are so many things that they're repeated to you until they become true. They're totally false. But just for the fact that they've been repeated to you over and over and over and over again, you just accept it without question. And that becomes your truth. Yeah. It's some of the things when you when you take a step back, you look you look back and you look in and you think, mm. why did why was that ever accepted? What yeah. yeah. It, I mean the birthday things is is the one of the most bizarre rituals yeah. of the witnesses you know yes there are two negative the only time that the you know that the bible supposedly speaks about a uh, a birthday is in a negative context but that that's not 
a basis to be told you should not celebrate birthdays. It's the most ridiculous way of looking at something. It's <laughs> just bizarre. Yeah. And then to have a punishment as well for people to, because the punishments can be quite harsh for somebody who celebrates a birthday. Yeah. Yeah. It, it you can kind of understand, oh, well, it, perhaps it's a conscious, you know, conscience issue. But then when it becomes something that can be harshly penalized for, yeah, you just think, well, where does this come from? Yeah. It's really yeah. strange. It's really unusual. It is, definitely. Well, I think that about wraps it up. Thank you so much for joining me. And please don't ever stop writing. I love reading your work. Thank you so much. And don't ever stop doing your YouTube channels. Uh, the work, <laughs> The work that you are doing, regardless of what YouTube have done, is absolutely, it's so vital at the moment. It, and you're, you do it so well. You really hit... Um, you really hit a good chord with people. I think it's something that's really needed. You're very level, uh, very, you know, you've got a good level, I think, uh, for people to, to see and to understand and to work with. Yeah. Thank you very much. That really means a lot. Thank you. And thanks again for joining me and thank you viewers as well for, for watching, please. Get this book. It's available on Amazon. Links are in the description. Um, also, his other two books, you can find them on Amazon as well. This was by far my favorite, but please also check out the other two. So thank you. That will be my last one until um, Johnny writes another book. But I will be doing um, book reviews with other authors in the very near future. So if you haven't already done so, please subscribe to the channel with notifications so that you'll be notified about those future videos. So once again, thank you very much for watching. Please proceed to the Jexit in an orderly fashion and I'll see you in the next one. Thank you so much for watching to the very end of the video. If you haven't already done so, please like, leave a comment and subscribe to the channel. If you like my work and want to help me continue doing it, please support me on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash jexit underscore 2020.